Hello and welcome back to the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. I am now your host for the summer, Gabby Hyduke. Join alongside me, as always, Josh Peach. Josh, how are you today? Pretty good, pretty good. Just enjoying the nice weather. Always nice to see some sun without rain. How are you doing, Gabby? I'm good. Last time we talked, you were going boating. How was tubing? Did you fly off the tube? Gabby, it was awful. We went down there. We drove the hour and a half. We got to the boat, and it wouldn't start. No. The boat did not start, so we went there, and uh, we, we got to eat at a nice restaurant. My friend's parents took us out to dinner, which was good, but, man, was I excited for tubing, and yeah, I didn't get to do it. That's tough. I'm sorry. Sorry to hear. It's all right. Okay. You'll, have to, you'll have to go again and update us. We need the mm-hmm. tubing update. I will. I'll give an, a, a tubing analysis for you guys. Love to see it. And then we also have Rich Everwine with us. Rich, did I say that right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Rich covers baseball for us at the Daily Illini, his first time on the podcast. So give Rich a nice little welcome. He's going to talk to us about some Illinois baseball, some MLB couple things in between. Rich, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Just happy to be here. Always happy to talk baseball. So, yeah. Rich and Josh are both Cubs fans, and I'm a Pirates fan, so I just cry about it a lot. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, they're – well, you guys really aren't that better than the Pirates. Well, you're better than the Pirates, but who knows? I mean, who knows this year? What if the Pirates come out and just, like, dominate? I mean, last season they played well before the All-Star break, so – I mean, during a normal season, you usually win 60 games anyway, so anything could happen. Um, we'll see what the Pirates do. I, I don't uh, have a lot of faith in them this year. but <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Pirates are a surefire last place in the NL Central this year. But, hey, 60 games, anything could happen. Anything could happen, but also they'll probably win, like, five games. Um, anyways, so we're going to start with some Illinois baseball news. We got a lot this week, or in the last couple of weeks. Illinois baseball has – they've been active. So Ty Weber and Garrett Acton, both were seniors this year, both pitchers. Ty Weber's your starter ace. Garrett Acton is your closer, both phenomenal pitchers. Both were debating on coming back for – a potential fifth season as college baseball players, obviously NCAA grants, spring athletes, another season if they want to come back, kind of nearing the end, not really the end of summer, but kind of towards the start of everybody trying to figure out whether they're coming back or not. Both of them sign as undrafted free agents, Ty Weber with the San Francisco Giants, Garrett Acton with the Oakland A's. Rich, let's hear about it. So, yeah, actually both of them were – Initially planning on returning to Illinois, um, Acton, I think, was accepted to a master's program. Same thing with Weber. So um, congratulations to both of them, though, on getting uh, free agent contracts. Unfortunately, neither of them were drafted because it was only a five-round draft this year as opposed to a 40-round draft, which is, you know, just incredibly smaller. But during a normal season, I I believe both of them would have been drafted. But, yeah, congrats to both of them. Um, Wishing them both luck um but yeah it does leave a couple of really big gaps in the pitching staff for Illinois next year um your ace obviously and your closer and then not to mention Ryan Schmidt is moving on to he was one of the main setup men in the bullpen so the coaching staff will have some work to do during this offseason trying to fill those gaps 
who do you think is obviously they're both big losses and they both have different roles so it's kind of hard but if you're Dan Hartlib who would you have if you had to pick who would you rather have had back Weber or Acton I think Acton honestly just because having a go-to guy at the back of your bullpen that you know you can trust I mean the guy was incredibly consistent over a season and a quarter he became the Illinois all-time saves leader that's incredible work right there. So I, it, you know, it's just, it's an incredible thing to have a guy like that at the back of your bullpen. You know, Weber obviously was great as your number one guy. Um, I think they're, that's going to be easier to fill with uh, Cole Kershiper, I think will be their number one, but the bullpen they have work to do in figuring out who are going to be those guys that you go to in those, you know, really close games, ninth inning, Who's going to shut down the game? You know, that's it's a big question mark right now. But if there's anybody who's going to do it, uh, I, I have all the faith in uh, Coach Hartlib and pitching coach Mark Allen. Just like a lot of the Illinois teams, the coaching staff for the baseball team is incredible. They go above and beyond, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I feel like I would have to agree on the acting statement just because looking at a couple stats, like you said, a season and a quarter with Illinois. That's all he had. He transferred from Parkland after his sophomore season. He pitched 39.2 innings, 42 strikeouts, and a 1.82 ERA. And he totaled 25 saves. That was the record for Illinois now. I mean, it's like an incredible small amount of work that he produced. And I think it's going to be hard to replace. But I agree that – I mean, Dan Hartlip has – been successful for years now in this spot so I don't see him going down anytime soon I don't see this team going down anytime soon and I think Josh before we were talking you were just kind of talking about the infield your hitters who are returning for this baseball team if you want to talk a little bit about that yeah so all the you know front guys in the batting order uh, are there most of them are underclassmen a couple juniors too but not seniors and that's just really important because even though you're losing your obviously the most the three most important guys in rotation are your ace your setup guy and your closer so to lose them is a blow but luckily for them they still have uh all these hitters now I might butcher some names here but Brandon Comia Danny you're gonna have to help me here Rich Dolly Gale Dolly you, Gale. you know Dolly Gale Alex Taylor Kellen you know you guys know who I'm talking about they're all going to be back next year. And these, this is your speed. This is your get-on-base guys, and these are your home run hitters. So they get to keep them. And even though they're losing their pitching, I really like the offense that this team should be producing next year. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this it's, – it's hard. And I know we've hit on, obviously, the end of this baseball season. But this team, I think, as a group, had – an immense amount of potential just with the offense. I mean, Brandon Comia was one of the top hitters in the nation at his position. I mean, he was, I, I don't know, Rich, if you remember off the top of your head, but he went like 16 straight games with a hit, I think close to 16. He was um, on fire. He yeah, was, was crazy. So and then to have the level of pitching they had, with the level of consistent offense they were producing, they were really – I know they've all said it. Any baseball player interview you've done this spring, they've all said it. They were just starting to hit their stride. And I think it's, it's unfortunate that you're not going to see 
Weber acting in action with a strong freshman Kershiper with Comia, Dollegale kind of coming in as a freshman and being able to make a little noise. You had a really solid team starting to hit their stride, but again, like we've said, I don't think they're going to hit a downhill stride anytime soon. Hartlib is in his position, been in his position this long for a reason. But yeah, it's hard just thinking about the potential they had. So yeah, the silver lining there is that they're going to be hungry next season. You know, with all those guys coming back, all the main hitters, all your big boppers, you know, they're they're going to be they're going to want to prove themselves. You know, yeah, like you said, every almost everyone that I interviewed was like, we're just clicking, we're just about to go on a run, and I truly believe that too because they were looking really good on the field. Um, They had just beaten some really good teams, Texas A&M and I think Oklahoma State uh, over that one weekend where they had a really tough competition. Um, they won it. Ty Weber actually pitched against Asa Lacey, who I think got picked third in the draft. So, and they beat him. That's, you know, they were, they were winning some good games against some really tough competition and, and you know, it stinks to see how it ended, but um, you know, everybody's in the same boat and I think they're going to be really hungry next year. I agree. A little more Illinois pitch. So, Rich. Go ahead, John. So, obviously, you have the blood of your pitching, but we are returning the hitters, and these hitters are good. Like you said, they hit some really good pitching, especially near the end of the season that got cut short, obviously. So, mm-hmm. how high do you think this team's ceiling is for next year? Um, you know, I think sky's the limit, honestly. You know, it, like we said, the main core is coming back, so and they're going to be hungry. They will, I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs next year. Um, you know, knock on wood. But um, you know, they they have all the potential in the world, especially like I said with this coaching staff. And there's no better pitching coach than Mark Allen right now. Um, I think he's a super underrated guy, um, and especially with the holes that they have to fill, he's a good guy to put that put that job on. Um, he was the pitching coordinator for the San Francisco Giants, actually, um, for a season. So he oversaw all the pitching talent for the entire organization for a while. So he knows what he's doing, and he's got a really awesome personality. When he walks in the room, you know he's there. So I think they're in good hands. I agree. I think, I mean, a little more Illinois pitching news, and you could you just see the pattern with Illinois pitchers. Joey Gerber just made the Mariners 60-man roster. He was Illinois' closer two seasons ago, correct? Um, mm-hmm. Basically, acting kind of took over his role, so very, like, swift transition transition for Illinois baseball there. But, Rich, I know you heard some interview audio from him the other day. What did he say about, you know, making this roster his time at Illinois? Yeah, he's super excited about it. Um I think he's eager to just prove himself against some big league, big um, major league hitting. Um, like he said in his interview, he just needs one inning to prove himself. Um, and I, I have the utmost faith in him. His minor league numbers are super impressive. Um, and his velocity is up from his time at Illinois. A couple of ticks are up on his fastball. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, I think he'll be named to the taxi squad, whatever they're calling it. So 60 men are being named for each team 
30 of them will be on the active major league roster and Joey Gerber will likely be on the taxi squad, 30 men taxi squad for the Mariners. Um, so yeah, if somebody gets injured or something like that, he'll, he'll, he'll probably see a couple of innings this year, which is great for him. Yeah. I think it'll be exciting to watch. And I think it just reflects again on Hartlib and his staff and his, you know, getting Mark Allen. Now you have this continued success over the staff and, you know, prospects are going to see that. I mean, baseball, you start recruiting kind of at a younger age and, you know, kids will verbal like freshman, sophomore year of high school. But I think just two seasons out of college, Gerber's now on a 60 man roster has a chance to compete for the Mariners in major league baseball and then you see Weber and Acton sign these undrafted free agent contracts. I think that just gives Illinois baseball kind of another step up and in the recruiting world and just in the Big Ten, in the NCAA as a whole. I think, you know, not every – you don't see a lot of Big Ten baseball teams having, you know, like continued success at a high level. Um, so I think it's important – just to keep these, especially pitchers. I mean, you want to see other players, and you have, like, Michael Massey last year. You have seen other players. But just to continue to pump up these pitchers in the major and minor leagues, I think is so important for Illinois. Yeah, I agree. And something that's going to help them even more with recruiting is um, the new facility that they're going to have. Um, the Atkins family – put another massive donation into Illinois athletics with a $3 million lead donation for a brand new training facility for the baseball team, which will be located right next to Illini fields. And that's just an incredible gift. And I think you mentioned this on the last podcast, the donors for Illinois are incredibly loyal and they just proved it again with this baseball facility. And, you know, like I said, it'll go a long way with recruiting. Well, I think not every it's, Obviously, most big Power Five colleges have a big football facility, a nice basketball facility. Making renovations and having basically a whole brand new baseball trading facility, you don't hear that on the regular. That's not a huge thing in the college baseball world. So again, just gives Illinois another leg up. And then that's supposed to be finished around January 2022. That's what they're saying right now um, as of June 22nd, the projected date is January 2022 so that's one more season and then it'll be finished but they're also putting in a turf field now on Illinois field they're putting in the turf and that's supposed to be done this fall so they'll again if baseball goes according to plan this year college baseball this coming team will play on this turf field and not that that's a huge a huge deal but just another step in the right direction for this program. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about the turf, <laughs> honestly. I know. You know, because you do hear, like, the old Expo Stadium had turf, and you always hear, like, guys talking about it, like, yeah, like, it destroyed my shins and things like that. So it's a weird decision that they're putting turf at Illinois Field, but, you know, we'll see what, what happens with that. Yeah, I'm also not a big fan of the turf field. I mean, I think – does anyone have it in the MLB right now other than Toronto? I think the Rays do as well. Tampa yeah, the Rays do. All right, so these two indoor stadiums, like, people don't love it. You know, yeah. people, especially on other teams, are pretty vocal about it. But 
nevertheless, it is a renovation, right? And people are going to like the change and it's still pretty attractive. So even though Rich, you and I, I don't know about you, Gabby, don't agree with the, the turf fields, it's still something new. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I, that just takes away from like part of the game of baseball, like the dirt and the, you know, and I think also to put it in the state of Illinois, like that's going to be maintenance to keep up with that and to keep the weather, make sure, you know, you're always maintaining that. I think it's an interesting decision, but Josh, like you said, you know, a renovation is a renovation, I guess. A little last bit of Illinois baseball news, couple of, or I guess a handful of the players are starting their summer ball. That kind of just picked back up. Um, I have the list in front of me. We have Alex Vera and Taylor Jackson. I can't say Fon Dulac, Doc Spiders. Might've said that wrong. That's team they're on. Nathan Aid, Ryan O'Hara, Xavier Watson are on the Lakeshore. <sighs> Chinooks. That's a, why are these names all weird? We have Justin <laughs> Janice on Kenosha Kingfish. That's easy. And the majority of their roster, Brandon Kamia, Ryan Hamp, Brody Harding, and Cam McDonald are all on the Rockford, Rockford Rivets. Um, I'm pretty sure a couple of them played their last season. I know I'm pretty sure Jimmy Burnett, who just transferred away from Illinois, a pitcher, he played on the Rivets last year. And then you have Andrew Dyke and Andrew Kim on DuPage Pistol Shrimp. What are these names? <laughs> <laughs> you got to get creative when you get this low, Gabby. Yeah. Danny Dollygale and Andrew Pogue on Joliet Jackrabbits. Joliet, that's where I'm from, so go them, I guess. But I think it's important to get these guys playing again because all these guys are used to playing over the summer. They're used to playing baseball almost year-round. So I think it's nice to see that baseball not only at the pro level but at the college and summer level is coming back as well. Yeah, I think another thing that's great is a lot of them are playing on uh, these teams together. Uh, you got four guys on the Rockford rivets rivets i don't know um, but that's you know that's a good for building chemistry on the team and that'll that'll also go a long way when they come back to illinois um and then the other thing is yeah like you said they're just getting the reps in you know this will be like a soft spring training you know and then when they go to fall ball they'll be together training you know it's it's good you know especially with the pandemic that shortened the season it's good that they're getting something in right now um so yeah it's good to see. I agree. All right, we can head over to a little MLB talk. Rich, this is kind of your forte, so I'll let you take the floor a little. Let us know what's going on. Pro baseball, it's coming back. We're getting close. What's going on, Rich? So, yeah, um, all the players reported by July 1st, which was yesterday. Um, not all. They allowed, they're allowing any player who wants to opt out of the season to do so, which I think is the right thing to do. You know, guys have families to worry about. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. So, you know, what's what's funny about it is they finally got a plan on the way after all these labor negotiations. And that was supposed to be the easy part. Now they have to actually execute this season, you know, with, without it being canceled, which is not going to be easy. You know, I hate to, uh, you know, bring down the conversation, but it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy to do, but uh, they have a tentative opening day uh, on July 23rd. 
and then a 60-game season with a normal postseason ending at the end of October, like usual. Um, but it's it's going to be it's going to be a volatile situation. You know, you already have guys testing positive, and they're not allowing teams to reveal the names of those people who test positive for you know personal reasons, whatever. Um, and then you had a guy, Tommy Hotovy, who's the Cubs pitching coach, young dude, 38 years old, no underlying health conditions, who got the virus and is recovering from it now. But he said in a pretty emotional interview yesterday that this virus crushed him. You know, he lost 18 pounds. He was in quarantine for 30 days. I think six full days of a 100 degree plus fever. So, you know, People can say this only affects old people, blah, blah, blah. But there's a guy who with no underlying health conditions, young, healthy dude who got the virus and, you know, got really sick. So to have this go off without a hitch is going to be hard. So we'll see. Where, what happens. How far do you think they get into the season? Unless you think it's all the way through, how far do you think they get in until they, it, they call quits? Like it, people, too many people test positive, whatever it is, how far do you think they get? I mean, that's the question. I mean, the MLB doesn't even know, you know, is it 15 guys test positive, 25, 20, 30, where does it end before you say, okay, we got to put a halt on this thing. You know, that's, you know, that's where we're going into uncharted territory for everybody. Nobody knows. So I really don't know. Um, the other thing is you have to make sure all the young players actually do their due diligence follow the so there's a lot of new rules that are happening um they are not allowed to spit which is a funny one because baseball players are notorious for like chewing sunflower seeds and whatnot and spitting all over the place so i wonder if they're gonna have like a security guard just like no stop spitting um <laughs> we'll see what happens with that um and then they're basically just going to be going to and from their hotels which is also not fun and then getting swabs you know however probably going to be testing them once a week at least I would say um it's going to be interesting to watch but you know who knows nobody knows how long this will last you know add on a little bit to what Rich said uh a couple of players the leading ones Ryan Zimmerman and Ian Desmond have already said I'm out not playing for sure and those like they both especially Ian Desmond wrote like a big letter and that's totally understandable but that said it's only those two right now really like the big names so a lot of guys are still in it and they're also like spring training is just from your facility. Like the Cubs are at Wrigley, the Dodgers are at Dodger stadium. You guys know what I'm saying? And there might be a couple games like the Cubs could play the Sox, the Yankees and the Mets. But other than that, they're not going to get to play, but obviously that's because of health concerns, but still I'm not sure it's any higher than a 50, 50 chance that the season even starts because Florida spiking, Arizona spiking. Those are the two spring training States. That's why everyone's at their, home stadium who knows what's going to happen anywhere else like all three of us are in Illinois right now and Illinois is fine but who knows we just like opened into phase four so even though they have a plan and it looks to be good right now like I said I'm not sure there's more than a 50 percent chance that the season starts I think the biggest thing I'm interested to see if the season does start let's say we start playing how I think Rich, you kind of touched on this a little how do you regulate some of those new rules like someone going to yell at you if you forget and you spit your sunflower seeds out like is there a punishment like if you accidentally like shake a play a shake another player's hand at the end of the game because it's so natural like and I think we've talked about this a little with fans at like football games potentially next this coming season in a couple months like 
you get worked up, you're in the moment, you go to hug the person next to you, you go to high five. Oh, wait, you're not supposed to do that. Like, how do you regulate that? And how do you regulate, again, you can't really regulate off the field activities. You can say, yeah, players are going from the park to their hotel or wherever they're staying or whatever. You can't, especially maybe potentially some of these younger guys, and I don't want to like call out our younger generation, but guys who don't have families, who, you know, are more into like the party scene or something like that. If they want to go out, they might go out and they might not really think about the consequences or think, you know, they'll be fine. They're not going to get in. They're not going to give it to anybody. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing with everything right now, all sports, not just baseball. How do you regulate some of these athletes from going about their day-to-day lives? You don't. So I, I don't see them getting through half the season at best. I don't – who even knows if they're going to start? Like we're saying, they might not even get to the point because that's three-ish weeks away. A lot could happen in three weeks. I'm really skeptical. I'm very skeptical on this. For sure. And, you know, like this is a thing that changes by the week too, you know, it who knows what's going to happen a month from now. It's, you know, it's a very volatile situation. And, you know, that's where, with the younger guys thing, that's where veteran leadership in the clubhouse would probably come into play, you know, just leading by example and not going out and partying and like breaking social distancing. Cause you know, it's, it's, you know, it sucks, but that's, you know, the price that they have to pay if they want it to get the season going, you know, and have those 60 games played. But, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard. I think one thing I want to bring up is um, they're also making some changes to the rules of the baseball. Like they're bringing in the universal DH. I just want to get your guys' opinion on that. Do you, what do you guys think about universal DH, DH coming to the National League? I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. My favorite player in the modern generation is John Lester. I got his uh, – Jersey right as soon as he signed with the Cubs back in 2014 I believe it was right before the 2015 season and I was five feet away from his first career home run and I'm telling you guys Wrigley went crazy yes I'm a Cubs fan for those listening uh I was there when Jake Arrieta hit his second home run with the Cubs I love it I love them hitting I love seeing pitchers who rake shout out Madison Bumgarner and I just think it's traditional too like you go to an American League stadium you see the pitchers hit you come home uh I'm sorry you see a DH in the but then you come home and you get your pitchers hit. People are going to like it. ERA is going to go up. More runs in the game, but I like the tradition. I would agree. I think that it's just like one of those kind of like baseball staples, like the tradition, the MLB. Like, I I agree 100% with Josh. I don't really have much to add on besides like, it's just one of those tradition things. I also weirded out by the runner on second base for extra innings. That just screams like, 12 you travel ball to me you know what I mean like and not that that's not I'm not trying to offend anyone by that but like it doesn't seem like professional baseball should be going with a runner on second and extra innings so with that that's one what I, that's what I saw at my sister's softball tournaments when she was like 15 you know like mm-hmm. just weird weirded me out that one I understand what they're trying to do they're trying to limit the amount of like um ridiculously long extra inning games because every year your team always has that one game where it goes like 18 innings so those are kind of fun like in the current climate and everything I understand Mm -hmm. but 
I think there's a different way, a different rule change that they could have made. So, so what's funny about that rule change is that it's actually, that's been a rule in the minor leagues for two years now. Um, do I like it? No, I don't like it. I think it's kind of, it's like you said, it's like kind of cheap and tacky and like not baseball-y. But um, one of the rules that I really liked that I saw um, a player on the Dodgers, Justin Turner actually recommended this for this extra inning problem is uh, having like a mini home run derby at the end of the game, if it's tied. And that would add such a level of excitement for like young fans too, like, just like send your hottest hitter up to the plate and like see how many home runs they can hit in 60 seconds. And then that's who wins. Like, I love that a lot. It would, you know, it would end the extra inning right there. Just like nine innings, home run derby. Let's go. And it's kind of like NHL. You have the shootout. I, sports are so fun. Like Mm -hmm. I hope and pray for a shootout because it's, it's just fun. And I think MLB has had trouble with getting the younger fans, getting the younger generation to like, be diehard baseball fans like the older generation is it's football or basketball right now so I think kind of having that different type of competition I mean it's just exciting home run derby type of thing is exciting like you said put your best hitter up there and let's go like let's see and that also minimizes the number of extra innings you're playing the amount of time you're spending on the field you know past what's expected I kind of like the plan I think it's it'd be cool I don't think it would ever happen based on like the MLB standards and kind of just that'd be really hard to figure out and like can you you know have multiple have have the same player do it multiple times but I think it's a cool idea um if any we got we're gonna wrap up our baseball segment real quick or Rich if you have anything else to add yeah no my final thoughts on the rule change thing is like this is the perfect year to experiment with stuff like that because it's already weird with 60 games if they can even play them so have added I say right before the bargaining agreement goes up next year so that's fine whatever this is this is a nothing year to me it's like only 60 games so I agree well thanks Rich for joining us we appreciate your insight and we'll obviously have you on again to talk about some MLB once it gets going for sure. Happy to do it. All right. So we hit on the uncertainty in the baseball world, college baseball, MLB. The more pressing uncertainty is with the college football season. Um, Illinois senior linebacker Milo Eifler took to Twitter on Wednesday, July 1st, with some concerns about not necessarily surrounding Illinois and his school and the football team there, but just the college football season as a whole. He tweeted, I understand that people want to see us play this season, but in reality, how can a team full of 100-plus student-athletes fully function during a pandemic? Trust, my teammates, and, my teammates and I want to play, but schools around the country are showing blatant disregard for student-athletes. Milo was already scheduled to have a Zoom interview with Illinois Media on Wednesday just to talk about workouts coming up and him coming back to campus. This was about an hour and a half before the interview. They canceled, postponed the interview because Whitman and Lovey Smith, AD Josh Whitman and Illinois football head coach Lovey Smith wanted to hear Milo's concerns before he kind of took to the media. Um, he addressed the media with kind of like an opening statement about this. It wasn't about Illinois. This was kind of just about the NCAA as a whole, the football season as a whole, like he just wants to make sure 
Illinois and every other school out there is keeping in mind that these are student athletes who can get sick, who can get other people sick. So he wasn't really like expressing concern about like Illinois, but just colleges and the college football season as a whole. I really respect him and Illinois athletics for allowing him to speak up. I mean, they had the conversation with him before and he even said, you know, I probably should have talked to Lovey and Whitman about my concerns before, but I respect him for being able to speak up and speak his mind and use his platform to express concerns that I'm sure a lot of student athletes, not just football players are having. And then I respect Illinois athletics for after speaking with him, letting him speak his mind. I mean, he was very open and honest. We're going to play you guys some of that interview in a little while for you to hear what he had to say. But I mean, Josh, what are your thoughts on his tweet? You know, how basically as a whole, how, what is college football looking like right now? I know you and I have talked and I keep going back and forth on like, they're going to play, they're going to play, they have to play. And now I'm kind of like, I don't know if they're going to play. What do you think? Well, not only did the statements catch us by surprise, but it caught Lovey Smith and Josh Whitman by surprise. And when that's two of the most important people in your university, you know, that means a lot. You have your senior defensive leader, linebacker Milo Eifler, who likes to play as much as anyone, saying, all right, like, if the health and safety conditions aren't there, I got to think twice about playing. And to be honest with you, Gabby, I bet that a lot of other people are thinking that too, because what was it, a week and a half, two weeks ago, ESPN tweeted that Clemson had 28 members of their football program you know, test positive for Corona. And Clemson's been a national championship contender for four or five years. Uh, we, you know, obviously things are run a little different in every state, but like football's religion in the South and that's where numbers are spiking right now. So even though Illinois is okay, Milo Eifler is like, hey, all these big, you know, programs in the South, what if the conditions aren't there for them? So I, I don't know, Gabby. I mean, I want more than anything for college football to happen. I want to cover it. I want to talk about it. I want to watch it. I want to experience it. But if things don't get better or like probably stay the same as it is right now or get better, I'm just not that sure that it's going to happen. I agree. I think it's hard. And I think I, you know, was kind of looking at some of the replies to me, a lot of their suites. I mean, you have the fans in the comments, like you're going to play, you're going to play. Which to me, how as a fan are you going to sit there? You're not the one potentially risking your health, risking your family and friends' health to, at the end of the day, play a game. I mean, football is important to everybody who watches it, who plays it. We know the importance of football, especially college football in America. But at what point as a fan do you not realize this isn't about you? This is not about you wanting football oh my gosh, would I love to see Big Ben and the Steelers go in a Super Bowl this year like they're going to play? Yes, but the like realist in me and the logical person in me and the moral, morally sound person in me, you can't have all these young and older men in the NFL be risking their lives, people's lives around them to ultimately play a game. I mean, I was the... I think recently, in the past few weeks, probably about a month, I've been saying they're going to play. I mean, the money is to – the money – college football is a billion-dollar industry. I mean, it's ridiculous how much money comes from college football, how it funds other programs in uh, college athletics, not just at Illinois, but schools around the nation. I mean, colleges are already shutting down their whole school, their whole university, or other – athletic programs not just football 
because they're losing so much money and college football generates so much revenue, but it can't be about the money. It can't be about the money when you have guys at risk, you have coaches at risk, you have trainers at risk. It's not just about the fan or the one player. It's about all those people behind the scene that are all that are also risking their health to play college football and obviously pro football, but, you know, focusing on college football. I mean, you had Mike Epstein, who's such a leader on Illinois team, obviously has battled injuries, but has another season of eligibility left. He quoted Milo Eifler's tweet and said, my brothers and I want to play more than anything, but at what point during this global pandemic do we put our health and safety before the money and entertainment? Couldn't have said it better. I mean, you, you can't, like, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and I think it's hard to discount that. And when you have these student athletes comfortable about speaking up and saying, you know what, I might not play. I might not play, and I want another season of eligibility. Eifler said, I want another college season. I'm not ready to be done, but I don't know if I can play under these conditions. I mean, it's a lot to think about, and I think NCAA athletic directors around the country have one of the hardest jobs right now like in the sports world. I think it's there's a big decision to be made. I don't know the solution. You don't know the solution, but it's difficult, and it's a big decision. It's a big life, possibly life-changing decision for some people. Here, here's what I will say. You're right. College football makes so much money. It's a billion-dollar industry. But look what happened in March with college basketball. They were about to hit their biggest time of the season, and that's the tournament. And, you know, considering how fast news, you know, broke and how quickly we started to, you know, learn about the virus uh, in March, college basketball, like, ended the season significantly fast. Like, they didn't know everything about it, and they were still, like, cutting it off. We saw the NBA do it we're not gonna, we're not gonna do it. So, you know, and like, I feel for the players, like some people are at the end of their careers, obviously Eifler doesn't want to be done. But in retrospect, like, if you're a fan, and you're trying to tell someone, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna play, it's selfish, because there's so many more years to come. If you like watching a young player, you're gonna get to watch them later. If you like watching a veteran, you've watched them for 10, 15 years. And then those guys in the prime of their careers, you take a couple years to get better, and you keep playing like, I just think that it's super selfish of fans to try and say to someone like Milo Eifler, oh, you're going to play, you're going to play, because it's just not fair. And like I said, I want to see it more than anything, but the way that things are moving right now, and obviously it's probably going to be a little worse in the fall, I just, I really don't think it's going to happen. I, you, I like you, Gabby, a couple of weeks ago, especially when like NBA was like, we're getting started, MLBs were getting started, I was like, yeah, sure, but they can't isolate the way that those teams are doing. So What's I the thing we'll you just think- have to wait and see. We're, we're both college students. We understand what being at college is like. Part of being at college, parents might not want to hear this, but it's the social life. It's the, And not just partying and going out and doing all that, but just being around people your age. Like college is the one time you're around all people your age and it's fun and it's exciting. You can't expect, because we're going to be on campus in the fall, University of Illinois students, are going to be on campus in the fall. Obviously, you can opt out and do online learning, blah, blah, blah. But we're going to be on campus in the fall. There's no Lovey Smith, Josh Whitman to regulate what you and I are doing. So you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to fully regulate what these student athletes are doing when they're not at practice, when they're not at training. 
I mean, you could tell them, hey, you should really only be around your teammates. You shouldn't go out. You shouldn't go to eat with other people. You shouldn't hang out with other people who aren't kind of in your group. At the end of the day, these are college students or students like me and you who have this freedom and they're going to take advantage of it. Not to say that all these players are going to be irresponsible or going to be going out all the time with hundreds of people, but you hang out with the wrong person. You hang out with a person who has it, doesn't even know they have it. And you're potentially wiping out the football team. You're potentially wiping out the volleyball team, the softball team, whoever it is. One person brings it in, it could take the whole team. And so I think it's just really hard to ask student athletes to do something above and beyond what they are allowed to do and what their freedom as a college student allows them to do. So I think it's going to be hard to contain this and it's going to be hard to completely isolate these players. I mean, unless they give them all online classes, which again, isn't fair to them. They're not getting the same college experience that other college students, their friends are getting. So I think it's just, it's going to be a big struggle. And I think that NCAA really has to step up and make the right decision. It might not be the decision everybody wants. I think something interesting that actually one of our Daily Atlanta reporters, Carson Gordy brought up in Milo's interview was the Ivy League talking about doing a spring season. It's an option. I don't know if it's necessarily a hundred percent viable option. I don't know, Josh, if you have an opinion about it. Um, a spring season for college football sounds a little weird to me. I mean, that's when baseball's getting started, basketball's in full swing. To be honest, the idea just sounds so unrealistic to me. I mean, obviously exceptions had to be have to be made and changes have to be made for everything right now, but come on, like football is a fall and winter sport. I the idea sounds appealing, but also, like, what about the weather in the spring? It's raining. Like, Illinois played that awful game against Purdue last year. Like, imagine every single week like that. I just, I don't know. I, I can't see it happening. I think that if it's cleared up by then, you know, we might have a vaccine by then. That'd be cool. But scheduling, money, I don't think it's going to work. Well, I think if, you know, a lot of the potential of college football right now is about the money and it's wrong – But if you're thinking about money in a spring football season, you're right in the heart of college basketball season, NBA, even bring in NHL, you're starting spring training for MLB, college baseball, all these other sports. You want to talk about money, TV contracts. How do you break that up? How does ESPN play college football and college basketball at the same time? You have to rework every schedule. You have to rework every plan that colleges have in place for college athletics. And I think universities are going to lose tons of money. TV is going to lose tons of money. The NCAA is going to lose some money. I mean, that that's the thing right now is the money. That's the talk. I mean, it's obviously the priority is health, but if you want to bring in money overlapping those seasons is you're, you're at the potential to lose money. And I think it's just unrealistic to think that you can just move the college football season right to the spring, just switch seasons real quick and not run into tons of problems not saying that they couldn't overcome those I agree with you though just doesn't seem realistic enough for me you know how like there's one or two days a year where all four major sports in the U.S. play on the same day have you ever seen the ratings for those games everything is significantly down like it's not like oh everyone's watching this and then they turn over and everyone's watching the NBA game the football game like that's not what happens and like look like 
in college basketball when there's six games on a day, do you think all of them get as many views as like the big ones do? No, not at all. It, you're right. It's a money thing that could never work. And if football is going to lose that much money, they might as well just skip a whole season in general if they're not going to play in the fall. So spring season, decent idea, not going to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to hear a little bit from Milo Eifler's interview from Wednesday with some Illinois media. We're going to give that to you right now, and then we'll be back with some college basketball talk, me and Josh's favorite. Here's some audio from Milo's interview. Based off, you know, what, what you guys saw on Twitter, I just want to clarify that I'm grateful for that, uh, for the U of I athletics and, like, the program. They're ensuring safety, um, making sure our, their athletes, uh, at least the football team in particular, um, you know, with the, with the pandemic and the current national surge of cases that are going on, they're, they're, they're doing, you know, they're following the instructions that they are given and, and then, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to have a football season. And um, what like, what my concern is, is just like, I just want to be clear that like, I'm lucky to be at Illinois, you know what I'm saying? Like I could be somewhere, somewhere else right now, but I just want to like, just want to make sure that they're working hard um, so that we can return to workouts and that all conferences need to work together to make sure that every athlete has equal access to safety and protocols that protect our health. That's, that's where I was just trying to reach out and, and make sure that that's what's like the focus and emphasis was on. Um, well, my concern is more just uh, as a team, um, you know, well, we played last year. I'm kind of one of the seniors on the team. I'm kind of one of the older guys. Um, and I just want to make sure that, you know, some of the guys like in my position, this is my last season, like some of the Pac-12, I talked to some of my players in the Pac-12, or some of my t uh, friends in the Pac-12, um, some like Stanford, They've they've allowed for that um, their scholarship to remain. So like if there's no football season, they start on scholarship this whole year. So I haven't had I haven't really done my research, but I don't know if the Big Ten is going to allow that um, or SEC or ACC. I'm just you know what I'm saying it's just like little questions like that. I'm just trying to make sure like are we are we protected? Um, so you know, just saying for like for future references, like say we don't have a football season, will I still have a scholarship? Will I be able to play come 2021? or and be able to do spring football or like you know it's just little things like that because uh you know i do want to have one more season of college football that's that's basically my like my answer to that the bottom of my heart you know i love i like i love football i want to play with the guys i don't you know i want to run a tunnel again um you feel me i want to i got a lot of teams that that beat us last year that we could have beat you know what i'm saying you know you know you want you want that revenge match and you know it's like stuff like that um you know coming from an athlete but then um, just like the personal side, you're just like, like, what if this, you know, like, what if I, I catch it and I can't go see my parents anymore? Or like, or just like little things like that. Like, or like my parents can't even come to a game because they can't sit in the stands. Like, you know, like stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. All right. Now that we've heard from Milo Eifler, just to wrap up kind of our football talk, Josh, I'm going to ask you the question. Yes or no? Are we playing college football? What are we doing? What's going on? Do we get to have the season? What do you think? Honest opinion. I mean, the easiest answer in the world is maybe. But if you want my honest yes or no, I'm going to say no. I think I'm I have to agree with you. I think I'm going to have to. At this point, it could change in a week. My opinion will probably change in a week because it was different last week. Yep. I think that two weeks ago, I for sure would have said yes. And I would have been really excited. I would have been like, oh, Brandon Peters, his Heisman run starts now. But 
I like like I said, this is the perfect season for us. Now, not not perfect, but considering we were two and ten a few years ago, we Illinois Illinois has the chance to go a chance to go eight and four, but probably very good, very good chance of six and six, seven and five. That's another bowl game, and we might not get might not get that the whole year. Like we've talked last week about how we still need like we have a lot of like recruiting problems right now. So even though it's the best year, I just like I said. We've seen it with the NBA, MLB, college basketball, NHL, every major sport. I just – I don't think it's happening. I'm sorry. Illinois sports is cursed. And it is. if you have followed or have been a fan of Illinois sports for a while, like me and Josh both have, Illinois sports is cursed. I mean, Illinois basketball could have made a significant tournament run. They were primed for a significant tournament run. March Madness this year canceled. College football, Illinois football, potential to take a step up again this season, which is huge for Illinois football considering the last decade or so might not happen. Obviously, we all know health and safety is comes first, but I think Illinois sports is cursed. But Illinois basketball, me and Josh's favorite to talk yes. about. Let's go. Illinois basketball, we'll talk about it, even though we're months out. I mean, we both heard, listened to some of John Rothstein's interview. John Rothstein, is that your name? I feel like I'm saying it wrong, but we're going to go with it. Interview with Brad Underwood. Josh, we know your, we know your feelings for Io DeSumo, and we know you want him back. What did Underwood say about Io? Brad Underwood said, if I would assume stays for his junior year, he'd probably get a statue built outside State Farm Center. And you know what? I think it would happen too. Uh, a few months ago, we made a joke about me, you know, willing to give a kidney for Io to stay. And hey, I've stuck to it ever since. Um, Io posted a video yesterday of him doing like a through the legs alley-oop dunk to himself. Like that's really, really cool. And I think that he's obviously leaning towards uh, – going pro and that's good for him that's his goal he should make money and he's given us more than enough Gabby I think that you and I can totally agree that Io has given us everything he has and no one would be mad if he left but that being said if he stays oh my gosh like this is gonna be probably the best season for sure the best season since 2005 and possibly even better so if he stays statue yes but if he doesn't you know what he's given us a lot Io, Josh is willing to give his kidney. Please listen to him. Please Come on, Io. Him Download this podcast. Donating his kidney. Please listen to this. I mean, I agree. I think how how do you how do you not feel that way? How do you not think that if Io were to come back, that he's gonna have an amazing season? He's gonna take Illinois to new heights. I mean. We talked about it last week a little, just the potential to have Io and Kofi both back with the newcomers and the veterans who are returning. And the transfers. How do you not think that's a Final Four team? It is, a hands is. down. With the chemistry that that team had this season, Tyen, Curbelo, Hawkins, and Miller, along with Grandison and Hutchison, you're literally this, like, amazing roster like it seems almost too good to be true which is and again we know Io's intentions and we know where Io wants to be so again I'm still very 
very 99% sure he's going to the NBA. Kind of, he said that he's 99% in. I mean, he's 100% committed, but 99% kind of sure he's going to get there. I mean, that deadline now is August 3rd to decide if you're going to return. We know Kofi Coburn's been back on campus. He's been very active on social media. Him and Benjamin Bosnans, Radon Kevin, spending a lot of time together, working out together. BBV is another guy who has the potential to get some significant playing time, probably behind Grandison and Hutcherson, but a guy who's very unproven, battled an injury all season. I mean, I think the Illinois bench this season, with or without Io, I mean, again, we're going to assume Kofi's back, but we're also going to assume Io's gone. The bench Illinois has. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's – and I think that we touched on it last week, but the practices next year are going to be insane fighting for playing time. And that's good because then, you know, whoever gets that stretch four spot is, you know, going to start obviously. But they'll split minutes with our sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth guys. And that's going to just make us so deep. And, you know, we've seen like – I think that Duke and Coach K do this where like they'll only play about a seven-man rotation during the Final Four. and you know, they'll win it, like, they'll do their thing, but that's pretty rare, so to have depth, though, on a team, whether it's shooters, rebounders, defenders, whatever it is, is going to be really good, and whether Iowa stays or not, we're going to get that, so either way, I think that Illinois is going to be really, really good next year, assuming Kofi stays, and, like, on the note of Kofi, I'm not sure why he hasn't announced he's coming back yet, like, obviously, we don't know what he's thinking, but he's not been on campus forever, and like I said last week, he's posting just about every single day on his Snapchat, on his Instagram, that he's here. He goes live all the time with his friends. So hopefully, you know, he's just waiting for the perfect time. But honestly, I think that everyone, including Illinois, needs some good news right now. And that'd be really nice if he could announce his return. I agree. And I think just kind of going back to Underwood on Rothstein's podcast, he did, he did indicate that, well, he said we have multiple plans for next season. So I think – Hearing him say that, he's also not 100% sure what's going on, like everybody else. But I think, I mean, he, he said if Iowa comes back, they might build a statue. He'll be one of the best guards in college basketball if he comes back. I'm a big believer in young people reaching their goals. We believe in their rights. You know, da-da-da-da-da. So, I mean, it's also important that Underwood has been so vocal about his support either way. Like, he just – I think – seeing the relationship that Underwood and Io have developed over these past two years, uh, what we've seen, obviously there's been more behind behind the scenes and recruiting and everything. They were like Io and Underwood, just like, I feel like they just connected. They just connected their mindsets and what they wanted Illinois basketball to become during Io's time was the exact same. And I think the level of respect they have for each other is so high. And I think, Underwood just wants the best for Io. Obviously, would he love for Io to come back and be on his team next year? Of course. But at the end of the day, he's been so vocal about just wanting Io to succeed. And obviously, every coach is going to want that for their player. But I think there's just like a different level of mutual respect and understanding there that makes me really excited for the next however long we have with Underwood. I mean, his contract has been extended. He's indicated he wants – like, this is his home – Underwood is going to be very successful at Illinois, and I think it's just cool to see the relationships he has built with some of these younger guys. I truly believe that Brad Underwood 
wants all of his players to reach their full potential and to succeed. So I do like believe that when he says if he can go to the pros, that's great for him. With same thing with Kofi, if he can get to the pros, that's great for him. Like I want what's best for them. I believe that. So, but that's really good. And like, obviously any smart coach would say that, but that lets Kofi and Io know, okay, this guy supports me no matter what. Like, I feel like if Brad would have been like, we just want him back, they would have been like, all right, screw you. And just gone to the pros because they didn't want him to fully succeed. So for him to be that vocal about Io and Kofi, that's really, really good for Brad. And part of the reason, like you said, he's going to be successful. He's recruiting and he treats his players well. We have that connection. We see it on the court and on social media, whatever they show us in the locker room. We've seen that before. The media covers it. So shout out to Brad. Great guy. Great coach. I agree. I think he's going to be awesome in Illinois and he's going to be there for a long time. A little extra Illinois news just to wrap things up today. The Illinois volleyball team and the Illinois women's basketball team both returned to campus. I think July 1st it was. I think that was also Wednesday, maybe a day prior. I mean, I, for the Daily Line, I covered volleyball this past season. Obviously, everybody has to know by now my love for the women's basketball team, my respect for the women's basketball team. I want them to do so awesome. I think it's so, I think it's just nice to see both those teams back on campus getting time. I mean, the volleyball team, we know they've been successful these past few years. For Typical standards, not really a down year last year, but for their standards, a little bit of a down year. A lot of new players, obviously, you had Jordan Poulter gone, who was their huge leader. Now you have Diana Brown, the setter, with a season under her belt. Megan Cooney stepping up into more of a leadership role with Jackie Quaig gone. Josh, I know you've done a little volleyball this past spring, but I think that team needs chemistry building more than anybody right now not that there's so much talent on the Illinois volleyball roster you have Ellie Holzman who had to sit out last year with an injury she was a Gatorade player of the year her senior year of high school phenomenal hitter and you get her back I think this team needs chemistry building more than anything so I'm really excited to see them back on campus specifically yeah I'm really excited for them I did get to cover volleyball including uh, talking to Coach Thomas, great by, great guy, by the way. You know that, Gabby. So I'm really excited for him. Uh, I played volleyball for three years, and anyone that has played knows that volleyball is a game of momentum, and with momentum comes connections. And that said, people are uh, stepping into new roles, like you said, Gabby. So they need to learn to play together. They need to spend time together and learn to play, because if they can do that, we know how good Illinois volleyball can be and how good of a coach Thomas is. So, yeah, really good for them to get back out. Hopefully they reach their full potential and, and succeed. And, yeah, I'll be pretty excited to possibly cover but mostly watch them next year yeah I agree that's pretty much gonna wrap things up today wait Gabby I gotta shout out the Illini TBT team that starts Saturday seven o'clock on ESPN if you're gonna watch them uh they have Andres Feliz coming in right away to play Malcolm Hill Leron Black Michael Finke Nana Egu Michael Tulip people from the last decade coming in still in plain shape so be sure to watch them on Saturday yeah stay tuned next week that's gonna be a big uh, talk on our podcast talking about the house of pain team so stay tuned for that next week thanks for listening <laughs>